Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to the best of Julia Hartley Brewer, my daily podcast with the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, talk radio. We are going to be talking to James Starkey. Now, he's a former special advisor uh, to Pretty Patel, the Home Secretary, who, of course, is under an awful lot of pressure uh, right now, and leak after leak after leak, and claims and counterclaims about whether or not uh, she is actually a bully or whether she's actually not getting full briefings from MI5. And we're going to be asking his thoughts on all of that coming up. Right now, then, let's talk to the Security Minister in the Home Office, James Brokenshire, who joins us. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Now, I think you know perfectly well I'm going to be asking you about those pretty belt tell stories, but let's talk first of all... I have a feeling. I have a feeling, yes, indeed. Let's talk first of all about what uh, the government is announcing today in terms of protecting people when they're in public spaces, arenas, music festivals, sports arenas, from terror attacks. You're announcing a new uh, plan for a legal duty to protect people. How is that going to work? Thank you. We've obviously been reflecting quite carefully on, uh, well... A number of uh, uh, recent responses on the the inquest around London Bridge and indeed the the campaigning by Fegan Murray and others to underline the need for greater focus uh, and what further steps may be needed on public public spaces and public venues. So we're proposing effectively a statutory duty for those operators and owners to uh, have regard to the the threat of terrorism and to take uh, proportionate appropriate steps. Now, we're going to consult on this because I I recognise that there will be those in business who will say, well, you can't have a one-size-fits all. Of course you can't. Each venue will be different and the steps that may be needed may be very, very different from uh, whether it's uh, a small venue where it's about training, about understanding where your exits are, understanding how you prepare in that way to a much larger venue, whether that be a stadium and therefore the more physical things that may be needed for that. But it is, I think, understanding that need for vigilance, that need for us to be alive to these risks and therefore you know, being prepared and taking appropriate well, steps. And that's, people, that's what we intend to do. A lot of people are going to be pretty surprised uh, that this hasn't happened before. I mean, it's 2020. We had the you know, Manchester Arena attack in 2017. Um, why has it taken so long? I mean, most people would have thought that there, there was already a legal duty to protect people in these circumstances. There's a huge amount of work that has been going on with advice that has come through from our, our counterterrorism uh, advisors and others uh, that's uh, been available to different venues 
on the steps they've taken. Indeed, there's some really great work that is already taking place. I think what the focus that we've had is how you get that greater consistency, the uh, assurance on application of the, the guidance and the, the, the requirements that, that we've, uh, we've set out there. That's what this new statutory duty is intended to respond to and address. And I think that we'll always reflect, we'll always review the stance that we take around this. And whilst there is, I think, a lot of good work that is ongoing, we are always looking at ways in which we can do more. And that's precisely what today's announcement is all about in ensuring that those standards are really at the focus of people's attention, but we do this in a proportionate and measured way. OK, well, let's uh, talk about uh, what's going on in the Home Office, where you work. You're a, a senior minister there, and there seems to be quite a lot of battles going on with your boss, Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, uh, and her own permanent secretary, and indeed, uh, that's uh, Philip Rutnam, and other senior figures. There have been claims and counterclaims of smears and of leaks. Um, we heard years ago, didn't we, from, from John Reid, the former Labour Home Secretary, that Home Office is not fit for purpose. It doesn't sound like it is right now. Do you agree? Well, I, I think there's there's been a lot of uh, false stories that have been circulating in the press over the last number of days. And the Home Secretary and the Permanent Secretary are absolutely resolute in uh, applying the focus on public protection, on delivering on the government's agenda, whether that be on policing, on the new immigration system, and are not going to be distracted from the really essential duties that we hold as a government at what well, that, remains a great office that's, of well, state. That's, and that's not the case, is it, James Brokerchild? Because they, they are being distracted. The Priti Patel has asked for a leak inquiry. We've got claims that a, a senior immigration official resigned because of bullying. We've got claims of people collapsing well, after being asked to work overnight. There's, 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 uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of false stories that have been circulating. On, and where have they and come from? Well, I, you know, I, I'm not going to speculate because I, I, you know, I, I simply do not know. But what I can say very clearly, and you know, I've worked at the, I've worked at the Home Office over a number of years. That yes, it is a, a tough and challenging place to work, where as ministers you do have to ask and be really vigilant and and really press the case on a number of issues because that's what the public would have expected of us. But equally, I know that we have a really strong, a very diligent, a really focused team of civil servants who I have always had uh, and I know the team always have that sense of respect for, acknowledgement for and that sense of how we work together as a team. There will always be those tensions that are there but ultimately both as officials and as ministers our duty and our focus is on the public and we will not be distracted from that. Um, but, but there have been concerns about the Home Office before. Amber Rudd, former uh, Home Secretary, she ended up having to resign because she had lied to Parliament about Windrush uh, figures. Um, and in fact, she'd been given the wrong figures by her team, um, by actual by civil service officials, none of whom, by the way, are now out of a job, despite doing their job so badly. Anyone in the private sector would have been sacked on the spot for doing such thing. In fact, might have had the uh, decency to resign. Um, we do have an issue, do we not, of a of a civil service that is... that that thinks that it is in charge rather than elected representatives from this country? I, I don't recognise that. Uh, I've, I've worked in government for the, the best part of a, a decade 
And, uh, of course, there are issues that you will come up against. There are challenges. There will be, yes, of course, at times, differences of view and opinion. But ultimately, the civil service is there to work with and to serve ministers. And that understanding that we have of their professionalism and the approach and the advice that they give us too. And so whilst, yes, of course, there are challenges, there are real issues. And when you're talking about some of the real life, real world things that you deal with at the Home Office, it is very acute at uh, particular moments of, uh, of real focus. But ultimately, it is that public service duty that is what drives all of us on. And indeed, with a big programme that the Home Secretary has on a new immigration system, on getting those police numbers in, and indeed the issues that we've just been talking about, about protecting the public and dealing with the threat of terrorism. That is where our focus will be and will always remain. Well, let's talk about protecting the public. Obviously, rising fears of a pandemic with the coronavirus after four Britons were allowed to get on a flight after being on the uh, Diamond Princess cruise ship off the coast of Japan uh, and returned to the UK, despite them not knowing the test results and turning out to have been positive. Uh, big risks, obviously, to to the other evacuees in big concerns. Are you confident that we in Britain and the international community are doing enough to contain the coronavirus? Well, we have a, a high level of preparedness within the UK, but remain vigilant. Uh, the health secretary has underlined to the NHS of the availability of funding to invest in further isolation units as required. And indeed, the steps that we have taken to isolate, to give advice, but also uh, looking at the what's happening in the, the sort of international arena, working with the World Health Organization. So not just listening to our chief medical officer and Public Health England, but, but very firmly working in that international way. But, you know, this is an evolving situation that we will change and alter if the circumstances require. It is that sense of vigilance that I think underpins the work that we are doing across government. And as circumstances change, obviously, we will continue to reflect on what more may be needed. OK, and also just finally, uh, trade talks the United States are, are well indeed and the EU all set to go ahead um, yet more concerns being expressed over chicken coming from the United States at the weekend George Eustace the environment secretary said well, we weren't necessarily worried about chlorinated chicken even if we were worried about it but acid washed chicken um, are you worried about eating chicken imported from the United States under any free trade deal? I think, I think the, the, the point that has been underlined uh, by us on a number of occasions is that our environmental standards, which, by the way, go further than EU standards, are, something, are things that we're not going to compromise on. And therefore, as we approach the trade talks with the US and indeed the, the talks with the EU as well, we will have that focus and attention on high standards on our environmental, uh, our, our environmental standards and indeed on food safety as well, which we, I think, should rightly be uh, paying that attention to. That's what the, that's what the Environment Secretary has been underlining on the need for us to do that, and we will not compromise on that. Okay, I have to say, have you, have you eaten chicken in the States? Had a nice, nice bowl of buffalo chicken wings when you've been in the States, and did you survive to tell the tale? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I've uh, I've sort of uh, uh, probably eaten all sorts of different things over the, the years, uh, Julia, in, in in different parts of the world. But the the key thing that we are focused on is the health and safety standards here, the food safety standards in this country, and that is something we will not be compromising on. Okay, thank you very much indeed. That's Sir James Brokenshire, Security Minister at the Home Office. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer. Weekday mornings from 6.30 on Talk Radio. We are going to turn our attention to what has been happening, if anyone can work out, in the Home Office. Many, many years ago, the former Labour Home Secretary, John Reid, said the Home Office was not fit for purpose. Doesn't see much evidence that it is uh, any more. Uh, let's uh, talk about what's been going on with uh, the Preti Patel, the Home Secretary. She has been subject to a number of leaks and briefings, claims that she is a bully, claims that she's making unreasonable demands, uh, that she uh, doesn't actually want to obey the law, uh, claims that uh, she has actually made uh, one official so sick that he actually ended up in hospital. She, however, has countered uh, with a, a, cry, a call for an inquiry into the leaks. This amid claims that MI5 are not briefing her fully because they are concerned about her being a security risk. So what on earth is going on? Well, let's speak to someone who's a former special advisor to Pretty Patel, James Starkey, who joins me in the studio right now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, simple question. Is Pretty Patel a bully? No. She's not. I mean, I've known Pretty for a number of years. Uh, obviously, worked with her up until several weeks ago, very recently. Uh, I can honestly say she's one of the best people I've ever worked for. So I think don't know where those allegations come from, but it, I've never seen anything that would suggest that she is. Um, well, I think we do know where the allegations have come from. They're coming from quite senior civil servants, aren't they? These are senior sources at the Home Office talking to senior, well-respected uh, journalists who, who, who clearly know who those sources are, who are claiming that you know she is bullying staff, making unreasonable demands, as I say, possibly even unconcerned about legalities when it comes to issues like uh, uh, you know flights to deport people. Um, what do you make of those claims? Well, number one, we don't know exactly where they're came, coming from because, as you said, uh, while the journalists that are reporting them are very well-respected journalists, uh, it's notable that all these claims have come from uh, nameless people. Uh, so I'd, I'd kind of highlight that. I think, um, it, you know, in terms of uh, any of the specific allegations, I haven't been there for the recent events, obviously, um, but I think it's, it is a serious matter if it is true that people within the department are speaking 
to the press under the, under anonymity. Um, and again, it, it wouldn't be the first time this has happened. Amber Rudd, former Home Secretary, uh, faced uh, being undermined by her own staff, she's claimed. Uh, she, uh, of course, was, had forced to resign as Home Secretary after a very short time in the job uh, over the Windrush affair because she was given false information, knowingly false information, by her immigration uh, staff. Uh, she then you know, fell on her sword uh, because she'd lied to the House of Commons. Um, uh, again, not deliberately it would transpire. There's now an reported that she apparently has made a formal complaint about senior staff over this. Yeah, again, I mean, I don't know the, the specific details, but I, I heard you earlier, Julia, rightly point out that in that in that scenario, Amber lost her job. She left. Um, and I think there is always going to be... The senior officials involved still employed in the civil service. Well, ex- exactly. As you said earlier, I think there is always going to be a point of how accountable are officials because we know that and quite right it's quite right that our elected politicians are held to account you know people vote them in to do to do that job and it is and we and we see that and uh, unfortunately for amber at the time she went over figures that my understanding is she was provided by someone else and you do rely on those civil servants but you, i mean you pointed out yourself earlier those uh, senior officials i understand are still in a job um, the, the, the whole string of allegations that has come out, I mean, one of them is that uh, she's, yeah, Priti Patel has presided over an atmosphere of fear at the Home Office and that uh, a, a senior immigration official had, had apparently collapsed uh, after a meeting with her. Have you, you ever, you ever, well, after, after dealing with her and, and someone else also resigned uh, after, after her coming to uh, the Home Office because they found her impossible to work with. Um, other information suggests that actually this man had resigned before she'd even been appointed Home Secretary. Well, I could... Uh, look, I, I mean, I, I don't want to go into personalities for obvious reasons. I'm not sure that's helpful. There are a couple of allegations that I could comment on directly, I think, without contravening any kind of uh, con- contractual confidentiality issues. Official Secrets Act, which presumably you signed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Mark Thompson, who's an f- absolutely fantastic official, actually... He was the Director General of UK Visas and Immigration and the, and the Passport Office. That's correct. Um, probably one of the, the best officials, I think, most people would agree that are in there within the entire civil service in fact um when when i got to the home office i i joined pretty within a day of her becoming home secretary we knew that he had already resigned last july yes that's correct and so factually that is that's just literally not true but and the it, claims in the papers last week was that he had resigned because he didn't want to work with pretty patel that's not true it's simply factually That's untrue. factually He inaccurate. had already resigned. That is correct. Okay. And also, one other thing, if I may, Julia, point out, uh, you know, speaking to kind of friends and so on around the Home Office, I understand there's also a lot of anger about the briefing around the security issues. Well, let's talk about this. The MI5, the claims that, uh, that MI5 bosses had basically been holding information back from Priti Patel, uh, following reports that officials lacked confidence in her abilities. The Home Secretary has said these media reports are false. MI5 have said today in the papers say that those allegations are false and that she's not getting any less of a briefing uh, than, than any other former Home Secretary. Well, I, I mean, I think um, the, my understanding is it's highly unprecedented um, for MI5 to speak out in this way. Um, Some might say, well, they would say that, wouldn't they? Well, as I said, it's, 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 it's pretty much unprecedented for them to speak out in this way. So I think that in itself, the fact that they have taken steps to, as it appears, again, I don't know, I haven't spoken to anybody in the security services about this, but I, I've seen the same things you have. The fact that they've taken the steps to speak out and make it clear that, one, that's not true, and that, two, 
these kinds of briefings are not conducive to the public good and to public mm-hmm. security. And the fact that, that that's happened and, and, well, certainly no one I spoke to could remember whether it was in the, when it was speaking to anyone in the press or in the Home Office could remember that happening before, I think speaks for itself. I mean, it, it would appear, given that some of these allegations are being strenuously denied by credible people, and there's 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 you know there's a paper trail proving uh, some of these issues, like the resignation of the senior official, um, that there is a smear campaign going against Priti Patel. Is this motivated against her personally? Do you believe? Is this an ongoing battle? We've seen this. Well, you know, everyone, anyone who's seen Yes Prime Minister would have seen these battles between uh, the civil service against elected politicians who come in and want to change things and, no, no, this is how we've always done done it. We have seen an extraordinary battle going on between elected politicians, elected representatives and the civil service in recent years over Brexit, the supposedly independent, neutral civil service doing the bidding of the democratic elected politicians. Um, That has been questioned in in recent years by a lot of people, including myself, uh, over the issue of Brexit. Do you believe that some of this is motivated by uh, Ramonas in the civil service? wanting to undermine a leading Brexiteer? Well, I have to say, I I worked uh, principally for Michael Gove at DEFRA during that kind of period. Um, I mean, I found pretty much almost all the civil servants that I worked with to be fantastic, to work to the Secretary of State's priorities, diligent, good at their job, very, very smart people. So I think... As with all these situations, whenever we talk about them, it's important to remember that, by and large, pretty much most people that do those kinds of jobs are turning up this morning for work, doing a great job, doing the best they can. They're professional, they know the job. Totally, totally. Um, And, you know, having been in the department when they've had to deal with floods, for example, before, you know, people will work night and day to to try and help the public in those very difficult situations. So I think it's important to remember that. It's also true, I think, and I've experienced this to some extent, and I think we've seen it with other, you know, ministers who try to make significant change, that there is sometimes, whatever the issue, I don't necessarily think it's just about um, Brexit, there is sometimes some resistance to that change. Um, well, we saw this with your, your former boss, Michael Gove, when he was education, the, the education blob, the, the, the urge to stop it. Is there an issue, though, which we currently have with our civil service that they they are determined to stop a level of change that this government is is wanting and which you could argue has a clear mandate for? Well, one of the things that um, an observation that I would make is I think that for a number of years we've had a political situation through no fault or direction or involvement of the civil service which has been somewhat in flux, a lack of majority and so on. And, and I think for the first time for a number of years we have a prime minister with an absolutely clear stonking, you could say, majority uh, and you know now and now has that mandate from the British people to deliver on the election. So, but I think if you look back for the last three or four years, one of the characteristics of our domestic politics was that there was, in some way, I'm not sure you would call it a vacuum, but because of that political flux that was brought up by Brexit and the 2017 election, I think somehow there was some kind of gap there that maybe that maybe was filled by others. Now we, we are in a different situation. Um, the Prime Minister obviously won that very, very clear mandate. And so I think, you know, it's up to anybody working in government to help him deliver that. And just finally, um, briefly if you would, uh, Priti Patel as Home Secretary, Sivadip Ratnam, who is the, the Home Office's permanent secretary since April 2017, um, is it tenable for them to continue working together? 
like I said, I do want to comment on personalities. Um, but... <laughs> I, I, I don't know comments on personality, but... Um, is it possible, in theory, for a Home Secretary to continue working with a permanent secretary who they believe is undermining them? The truth is, uh, with regards to Sir Philip, is we don't know if this is... what We all know what happens in the media when things are presented as something, and perhaps sometimes we speak to people and find out the opposite. So I, I would personally reject judgment and not comment on that. But I do think that if you're in a department working for... Uh, any politician, you need to be working for that politician and delivering on the mandate that they've got. Okay, James Starkey, very much appreciate joining us here on Talk Radio, former special advisor to uh, Pretty Patel, the Home Secretary. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Something everyone has been very, very keen on today. And yesterday has been celebrating the extraordinary Tyson Fury victory over Deontay Wilder to become two-time heavyweight champion of the world. It took him just seven rounds in which he just dominated throughout. Uh, and uh, he's uh, bringing to an end his unbeaten record in his reign as WPC, WBC champion. Uh, delighted to welcome now a former British boxing champion, who's just how that feels, Amir Khan, who joins us now. Good morning to you, Amir. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, very well indeed. I mean, it was an extraordinary boxing match, wasn't it? Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, look, it's great for Britain to bring those heavyweight world titles back home and, and beating a devastating fighter like in Wilder. Wilder is a beast. I mean, literally all his fights he's had, he's knocked his opponents out. Um, and the first fight between him and Fury, that was a very close fight. And obviously he put Fury down twice, especially with that second knockdown. A lot of people thought he was done. He wasn't going to get back up again, but it shows how much heart and courage Fury, Fury had. And then they went on to this rematch and Fury beat him in good fashion, good style, and looked uh, looked amazing. Isn't it? Yeah, but I will count, I mean, he, he, he dominated throughout, and it's been an incredible comeback for Tyson Fury, hasn't it? Definitely. Definitely with what he's gone through in the last couple of years. For example, the mental health issue. There's a few things he said before, uh, which he then came out and apologised and he regretted. But the way he's come back from, no one would have ever known three years after that he'll become a world champion and one of the best heavyweights in the world, winning all the world titles again. I think so. You have to give him a lot of credit there. But that's I mean, watching from the outside. Look, I'm you know I don't know anything about boxing, but uh, but yeah. to watch somebody the, the pictures of him when he was 28 stone and 28 yeah. of that stone was the belly, not the muscles. Um, how how do you come back from? How can you go from being in such amazing shape to such yeah. bad shape and then back to that sort of shape? Because I've never seen I've never seen you do that. No, I mean I've never done that, and I'll never get to that le- uh, to that way. Uh, basically, you know, after a fight, a long draining training camp you come home you think I'm going to give it a miss for a couple of weeks I'm not going to train I'm going to just relax and chill out but then at the same time you know when you're used to just waking up in the morning going for a run going training to the tra- to the boxing gym three times a day it takes over your life and when you stop that you do go through a bit of a depression after a fight and yeah. because your, your body's in a routine when you take that routine away from from you it does definitely get it, it put you on it puts you on a downer, and it happens to me as well after like a difficult fight, a hard fight. I do get on a bit of a downer, and you just keep yourself busy. And what keeps me busy away from the boxing is doing charity work. So yep. I think what fighters need, uh, what fighters need is um, have something else to look. You've got to have a focus. Well, I know you you've got I know you've got something else to look forward to because you, in just the last couple of days, have just become a, a daddy for the third time. Your first baby boy. That's right, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah, that was um, 
I was supposed to be on the flight, to be honest with you, and then obviously uh, couldn't let the wife go. I was I was in two minds. I was thinking <laughs> the wife had a date for the 24th or the 25th. So that would have been today or tomorrow. But I just, something something in my mind was that, like, I can't leave it because God forbid it comes early and it, it, it comes early. Yeah, I should get that. Can I just say, there are not many marriages that would survive that, Amir, with all due respect. No, trust me, I would um, not, yeah, I would not win that fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely would not. Um, let's just talk about what happens next, though, because there's, there'll be yeah. a contract, there'll be a rematch, won't there? And then, assuming assuming Tyson Fury wins again, of course, the next really big battle is going to be against Anthony Joshua. So here's the question. Yeah. Tyson Fury v AJ, who wins that? Now, that's a difficult fight to call because both fighters are uh, undefeated. They're both, um, you know, fight at the highest level in boxing and they're both world champions now to have two world champions from England who are holding titles I mean we've never seen that for ages you know that's not happened for a long time and I think it'll be a massive British clash um, but who's going to win that fight it's hard to call look I'm going to lean more towards Fury Fury's a good friend of mine and uh, I just feel that he's got the skills the, the movement the footwork and the power, what he showed last weekend, how much power he had to put down Wilder for the first time in his career, just shows that he's probably the better fighter. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thank you for listening to the best of Julia Hartley Brewer. Don't forget to catch me live tomorrow morning from 6.30 on DAB, smart speaker, and online at talkradio.co.uk. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.